Welcome to the second episode of The Heights of Humanity. Now, I mean, just to be able to say that, it feels like such a blessing to me. And I'm so grateful for everybody who's been listening and giving positive and constructive feedback. Really, thank you guys so much. In this episode, I'll be sitting down with Cole Hastings. Cole is a content creator, author, entrepreneur, and outspoken vegan who's most known for making self-improvement videos where he shares his tools for success and philosophical insights online. Cole is one of the biggest names in the self-improvement genre right now, with over 640,000 subscribers and 52 million total views on YouTube. In addition to his YouTube channel, he hosts The Hastings Harvest, a podcast where he interviews bright entrepreneurs like himself. He also authored The Middle Way, a book on how to strategically use laziness to enhance your creative power. Cole is also diving into the world of filmmaking, with his new short film currently under production. Cole has deeply inspired me and millions of others through his well-produced and thoughtful YouTube videos, packed full of amazing life lessons. Expect to hear about masculinity in the modern age, how to gain muscle without eating meat, the best way to improve focus, and more. Now, without further ado... What does success mean to you? You know, when Cole Hastings strives for success, what is it that you're striving for? Success for me isn't so much about wealth, although I think wealth can be a good indicator of how much work someone's put in and how much value they've given to the world. Success to me is you're currently in the process of doing something that you enjoy doing, that brings you a lot of fulfillment in life. You're not exactly, there's an end goal to it potentially, but what really matters is that you are in the process of becoming the person you want to be or getting to the life that you want to be at. So you don't even necessarily have to be at the usual metric for success. To me, it's like if you're in the process of getting there, if you've already figured that out, then I think you've made it in terms of success. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're on the journey, then you are successful. Is yes. that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Because, I mean, I feel like most people, even by the time they're 80, don't really know who they are or what they want to do. Mm-hmm. They never took the time to figure it out, and they were always letting other people decide that for them. And so someone who's already figured that out and thinks at least that they have a good idea of it and they find each day that they wake up, almost every single day that they wake up is fulfilling and they're happy with what they're doing the majority of the day, then you're successful. Okay. Yeah. Did you, did it take you some time to come to that? Or did you like start trying to be the person you wanted to be? And you're like, I feel successful. Where did, where did that come from? When I first started on the YouTube journey, content creator, which is, my big thing right now mm-hmm. no i don't think i did feel like oh i'm successful i wish i would have understood it back then what i've just said now what i define success as but back then i was definitely doing the things i was doing more so from a place of lacking from okay. like i need to get to this point or else i'm gonna feel like a failure i'm not gonna have high self-worth so when i first started no i don't think I felt successful until I actually got there and 
saw the metrics, the views, the likes, the high engagement and everything start to come. Okay. At, at what point were the metrics, you know, really like, at what point was it like, oh shit, like I can make a career out of this, you know, like this is awesome. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I always knew I could make a career out of it, even when I first started and I was making zero dollars. But when it, I was first like, okay, this is actually like a decent bit of money, it was probably late 2020. My channel finally started blowing up. I started in 2017. It really started to take off late 2020. That was when I was like, this is more money than I've ever seen in my bank account at once in my entire life. In one month I'm making, it's insane. So yeah, a lot of it was based on the views and everything and revenue I was making. That's how I felt like, okay. I'm finally making a career out of this. Mm-hmm. And were you like always kind of like a that thinking kid or like what drove you to you know, I want to share my philosophies on the internet. I want to, you know, show how I'm bettering my life on the internet. What led to that? Yeah. Mm. I don't know if I was much of a thinking kid most of my life. I can't I don't recall a lot of my young adolescent days and the most I recall is stuff that I put in my videos, like everything Mm -hmm. that I've talked about in my videos, that's like the bulk of what I remember. Mm -hmm. Um, What was the question again? Yeah. So like, um, I guess like you started out with wanting to make Maybe like it wasn't self-improvement at the time, but you were definitely making videos about, you know, improving your life. And I know at the start it was a lot of like, you know, vegan gains and and all the gym stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, was there like a shift at some point where you were like um, really starting to, to dial in your life? Mm-hmm. Or were you always kind of this person that really liked to uh, improve their life and grow and and then, like, you know, once you got to YouTube, that's, that's, you kind of followed that. Mm. No, I think majority of my life, I was kind of a degenerate, at least teenage years. Maybe when I was a kid, and I don't remember, I really liked to read and draw, and I was a deep thinker. But I would say once clicks formed in school and people started caring about their appearance and everything that happens when you're a young teenager that's when i feel like i stopped thinking about what do i really want how do i want to live my life well as a kid you do that intuitively but i turned all that off and went how can i get other people to like me and how can i just fit in Mm -hmm. so as a teenager Majority of my teenage years were spent binge drinking and smoking weed and saying yes to things, even if I didn't want to say yes to them. And I didn't really care about my schoolwork. I did really terrible in high school for the first couple of years of high school when I really didn't care and didn't, didn't care what college I got into, didn't see it as having a point at all. I failed English class one quarter. Got like D's and C's and was really just not a good student. I didn't care about working hard. 
at all. I didn't care about improving myself at all. I didn't see the point in it at all. And partly, that was partly because I didn't feel I was capable of improving. Uh, those are just beliefs that I had built up from external influences and external stimulus that told me I'm not good enough and I'm stupid and I'm not capable of improving. So, yeah, I would say the teenage years, I didn't, I didn't feel good enough most of the teenage years. And then when I started to take school seriously, I think this was my first like time where I realized like, oh, maybe I actually am capable of doing something mm. good with my life. Yeah. Uh, when it was junior year in high school is when I started to realize how important it is to get into a good college and everything. Mm -hmm. I wanted to take my life seriously. And I got like straight A's the one quarter that I finally tried, finally started to try. And that like told me, okay, well, maybe I'm not a fucking idiot. <laughs> like if I just actually give it my all in life, yeah. I could actually do something. And then I started learning like coding. I went to school for computer science. So I later changed that. But all during that time was when I started to like realize like I'm capable of something more. Yeah. Self-improvement didn't come into the picture until sophomore year of college. Mm -hmm. When I started to get into spirituality and kind of just like dissolving the ego and being more present, doing a lot of meditation, that eventually led me to like just general self-improvement rather than spirituality, the mm -hmm. spiritual stuff, being one with everything. Mm -hmm. And I read a lot of books during that time. And my YouTube channel actually started as a self-improvement channel. Mm -hmm. And then it transitioned to the vegan fitness stuff that you're talking about. Yep. And then it transitioned back to self-improvement because I realized there's, there's like a, an outer boundary with fitness content where it's like, what else can I possibly make about fitness? Okay. It's like yeah. there wasn't enough. Yeah. I wasn't able to flex my creativity enough with self-improvement. I feel like I can talk about almost anything related to self-improvement. With mm -hmm. fitness, it's like full day of eating, full day of eating, full day of eating, workout plan, full day of eating, full day of eating. It's like I wanted to expand that. Mm -hmm. And now I'm getting off on a tangent, but that's how I got no, back man. into self-improvement. Yeah, yeah. You're good. Um, now, I... Do you watch a lot of like other self-improvement content or because um, I, I listened to a few of the most recent episodes of your podcast and I remember you mentioned that you don't like to put your like um, like you don't like to watch a lot of other uh, creators in your kind of field or niche on YouTube because you want your ideas to be yours. Mm -hmm. Right. So where. Um, where do a lot of these ideas come from? You know, are you reading a lot of books? Are you, um, mm -hmm. is it anecdotal, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't like to watch a lot of self-improvement content. I think mm -hmm. the end goal or the, the, the end goal for anybody who watches my content also, who's listening to this should be that one day you no longer feel like you need to watch me unless you just fuck with me and you like watching my content you find it entertaining or it's just like i don't know maybe something really sticks out to you like a title or thumbnail and you think this would really help you 
But you should be able to get to the point where you don't have to consume self-improvement content. And as a creator, I don't think you should be consuming a lot of it after a certain point because like you said that I said, I do want my videos to feel like they aren't being influenced by the rest of the niche. So I'll get a lot of my ideas from philosophy books. I read a lot of philosophy. I listen to philosophy audiobooks. But I feel like the most lessons I've drawn from the past couple years are just life, mm-hmm. life experiences. Yeah. I try to put myself in as, in, in as many experiences as possible mm-hmm. and reflect on them. So that way I have my own stories to tell within self-improvement mm-hmm. and my own unique perspective to give to people which I think is really important because, I mean, most self-improvement ideas and advice is pretty much the same. And I'm not saying mine's, like, totally different because Mm -hmm. I don't think it is. But the way I present things is, I would like to say, usually different. No, yeah, I would give give yourself a pat on the back. I think your content is really a breath of fresh air when you look at just how... Like, if I search up self-improvement on YouTube, I'm going to get a bunch of hyper-masculine, high-octane, you know, you're broke, you're broke kind of content. And yours is very, you know, there's a lot of critical thinking, you're thinking very deeply, all the ideas are very positive. And, like, if I was, like, say, like a woman, and I wanted to improve myself, and I looked up self-improvement, and I watched your videos, sure, it's like... A lot of it is tailored towards young men, but mm-hmm. I can get a lot of lessons there too because a lot of it is very general and yes. very philosophic. Um, why do you think self-improvement is so associated with like the red pill and these hyper-masculine internet celebrities and things like that? Uh, I think they're just the most controversial, polarizing, engaging people on the internet. Yeah. and. Those guys don't give 100% bad advice. Like, a lot of the times I'll listen to the stuff they say and I'll be like, okay, that's actually a good point. But the reason it's so enticing is just because it's so 100% or 0% black and white. And it's very easy for people to engage with that type of content because... It doesn't require a lot of like work to understand it, first of all, which makes the barrier to entry very easy. Yeah. But also because, like I said, they're saying shit that is so out of pocket yeah. that people are going to share it. And it's going it's to be the thing that's most shared. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when they do, do give good advice, it's like the most simple of advice. Yeah. Just like work hard and take care of yourself. Um, but when they give the most ridiculous of advice, it's like, it's so easy to, en- to, to want to engage in it because it triggers people. Yeah. So that's like the first step for young men to see. And y- young men, I believe, care more about self-improvement mm-hmm. than women, mm-hmm. to be honest. Like, I, I just think men, men's value, most of men's value in, in the world is derived from how useful they are. Yeah. From their utility. So men want to 
naturally understand how do I be more useful? Like how, how do I become a more valuable person? And the natural journey is to start looking up self-improvement type of content. Mm-hmm. And that's the first stuff that comes up because it's the most engaging. So I think that's why that's, that's why those figures are usually the most prominent because they're just, it's so easy to share that stuff yeah. and understand it and be triggered by it, mm-hmm. whether positively or negatively. Yeah. Um, what, like, um, kind of more on masculinity, I remember you talking about kind of like a lot of people want to go back to traditional values, right? You want to go back to this traditional family structure, this traditional idea of masculinity, but why would you use yesterday's solutions for today's problems you know right and so um seeing all of these like hyper masculine you know uh andrew tate you know hamza s people on the internet gaining so many followers um what is your ideal version of masculinity you know like i think it's it's just an evolved version of traditional masculinity okay so i think there is a lot of great things like i've said in my videos about traditional masculinity it makes you feel like you have a purpose when you're providing for somebody and you you like it's required for you to live up to a certain ideal and this ideal was much stricter than it is now now men can do a lot of different things and be men and so it was like it's very easy path to follow and paradoxically or ironically the less freedom that they had back then it's like the less decisions you have to make and it's like okay i'll just follow this and i'll have a purpose in life Mm -hmm. now it's a little bit harder for men and anybody to feel like they have purpose because there's so many different ideals you can follow ideologies on the internet and everything Mm -hmm. about what's the best way to live uh so i think like that strictness is good, but it was almost too strict back then because I think men, everybody wants to express themselves a little bit more than just wearing a certain set of type of clothes, having a certain type of haircut, uh, acting in a certain type of way that men are supposed to act, especially with traditional masculinity. It's like never show your emotions, and I think we can evolve past that. Masculinity should involve in the emotional aspect of it i think men need to understand appropriate times to express emotions like i think having a place where men can express their emotions safely is really important and integrating that into like the more traditional aspects would be really good instead of suppressing your anger or your sadness and then taking it out secretly on someone else or something else, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure men used to beat their wives a lot more yeah. back, let's say, 100 years ago because it was just socially accepted. That's something we can improve upon, right? For sure. So um, of the emotional aspect, I think men need to get more in tune with their emotions. And that doesn't mean when people hear that, they think it, it's being more emotional. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's understanding your emotions, giving them a healthy outlet, because I think you're never 
not going to feel angry or sad or upset sometimes. You just have to learn how to deal with those things in a healthy way, not mm-hmm. just like, oh, you're not supposed to cry because you're a man. You're not supposed to be angry. you got to fucking stay under control. Like mm-hmm. me, I'm like, no, cry, get angry. Mm-hmm. But don't, but learn how to process it by yourself and, and express it in a way that doesn't harm other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's like the more emotional aspect of it. But I think like also social norms around how men should dress, right? Like is a man a man? He's dressing like he's gay or mm-hmm. has a dress on. It's funny. <laughs> the, there's like a meme on the internet right now. There's TikToks. It's like... If people are starting to accuse you of being gay by your fit, that means you're starting to actually dress right. Mm-hmm. Something like that, which is funny. And it's a good way of things like that becoming more socially accepted. I think men can wear a lot more things, and that's fine. I don't yeah. think, I don't like the whole idea of having a very strict wardrobe around what men should wear. I don't know. It's a little outdated to me. Um, I'm trying to think of other aspects of traditional masculinity. Basically, there just needs to be more freedom of expression with both genders, I think. But I want to say, like, almost not too much Mm -hmm. because, I don't know, if if everybody's allowed to do anything they want, we have no no roles whatsoever in society i think societies will collapse yeah if that happens so i'm trying to think of other things with masculinity i think all the great things about being mentally tough about working hard on yourself providing for other people building things um just naturally wanting to improve and become the best version of yourself so that mm-hmm. you can serve other people better. These are all amazing things that are traditionally associated with masculinity. Yeah, I agree 100%. It's just the things like that are obviously problems about traditional masculinity yeah. that we can improve upon. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really that simple. And there really are people in this world who think masculinity is toxic, which is... If you actually knew what masculinity was and how much good, like, strong, positive masculine traits bring to the world, you wouldn't be saying that. Yeah. But I think when people think mas- say masculinity is toxic, they're thinking beating their wives, dominating people all the time, feeling the need to be very egoic and power mm-hmm. over others all the time. That's what they think of when they think of masculinity. But so many great things about what masculinity is considered or traditionally considered to be yeah yeah i think people get a lot of that idea of toxic masculinity because i mean there's just a lot of men with wounded egos and when you have a wounded ego you want to make the people around you feel small so that you feel bigger right right um it's just insecure totally unactualized men yeah yeah yeah, and to that point about expression and, and processing emotions, I uh, can kind of draw a parallel. Um, do you know who Ryan Holiday is? Yes. Yeah, he talks about 
like stoicism is the it's not not feeling emotion it's not the absence of emotion it's the right. domestication of emotion I like right that. it's like, I like that word i'm gonna like i'm gonna feel sad but like you know i'm still gonna go take care of business you know like if right. i'm if i'm going right. through a breakup then like yeah i'm gonna feel sad and i'm not right. gonna deny that i'm gonna feel sad but yes you know like um i'm also gonna try to channel this into something positive so that you know the people around me can grow right definitely let me check this camera. I'm kind of okay. paranoid. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. Okay, cool. When I'm recording, <laughs> roll it. It's just like the seed is planted in the back of your mind, yeah. and you're just yeah. all right. You'll be thinking about it the entire time. For Don't sure, dude. It. Yeah. Can we talk about the short film? Sure. So, yeah. I know we talked about it a little bit earlier, but um, for the audience, could you explain a little bit? You know what you're doing, and and. Uh, what the general picture of what it's going to be about so i the the longer that i make videos the more i want the more i realize like making films something serious with like a whole narrative behind it would be really fun youtube videos are great but i just want to completely visually tell a story and have actual actors in it and different settings that's like the next step for me as a creator I don't know how many, how often I'm going to be able to make these because they're a, a lot of investment of time, resources, and money. Mm-hmm. But this one, my for, for my first one, it's going to be loosely based off of my success with YouTube. But instead, the main character is going to become a successful writer after many trials and tribulations and failures instead of a successful YouTuber. And... It's based around this character while he's in college, and he has this friend group who he hangs out with who are, like, typical, like, frat guys, and mm-hmm. they just drink every weekend, and they don't really have a purpose, and they, you know, like, they just fuck around. And these are all, like, his best friends, but after one of those nights of drinking, when he comes back from college for... It's either Labor Day or Memorial Day weekend, whatever is in September. He meets up with his one friend who actually takes his life seriously and has, like, not an intervention, but, like, his one friend's like, hey, like, I remember you as a kid and how smart you were and how adventurous you were. Like, don't you think about what you want to do with the rest of your life and all this? And then the main character kind of brushes him off and gets defensive because he's insecure and he deep down he knows he's right mm-hmm. but he doesn't want to admit it so he gets like all defensive but he eventually eventually those words pierce him and he starts writing on the internet and i tell the story in kind of a non-linear storytelling way similar to the social network if you've ever seen that movie mm-hmm. where the whole story is going to be or most parts of the story are going to be narrated over by future Cole, already successful Cole. Mm-hmm. During a podcast episode with Danny Miranda, he's going to act in it. So it's going to start off with me in the middle of a podcast episode after the success. Okay. And then I'm going to tell the story from the future. Mm-hmm. And it'll go back and forth between, well, I guess it's present day. Yep. Present day successful Cole during the podcast. and the stories that he's telling on the podcast. That's mm-hmm. what you're going to see of the story of how he got there. Yeah. So I'm really excited 
there's a lot of moving parts. It's the biggest project I've ever done by far. Mm-hmm. And next week we're shooting it for five days. And I think it'll be really, really fun. It will be really fun, I know, no matter what. It'll be a big learning experience. Yeah. And just want to make it one of the best self-improvement videos of all time on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds very grand. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to watch it. Um, did that, like, making a short film, um, how has that changed how you're making content now? Are you, like, are you looking to make, you know, longer, you know, quality over quantity kind of content now that you're making a short film? and um, Or are you going to you know, keep YouTube the same and then, you know, release the short film and it's like your, your big magnum opus project, you know? No, I think, I think things will stay the same and then every once in a while I'll have one of these very big projects. Mm -hmm. But I think my venture into learning about filmmaking and becoming obsessed with it has bled into my videos recently even just like in the past half a year Mm -hmm. i try to incorporate more like filmmaking techniques into things and i'm buying anamorphic lenses which are typically used in films which brief description in layman's term is like an anamorphic lens is basically a lens that squeezes the image when you shoot it and then you have to de-squeeze it in and editing software mm-hmm. and when you do it's just way wider so that's why you see most films modern day films have a very a, like a widescreen aspect ratio because they're usually shot on anamorphic film mm-hmm. or on anamorphic lenses yeah and these lenses produce like these interesting you ever see like blue flares in movies uh, that yeah, goes yeah, past yeah. a light like yeah. that's probably because of an anamorphic lens and the, the bokeh which is just the blur in the background mm-hmm. of uh, scene it it's got a very distinct look that because you're de-squeezing the footage it creates this oval like bokeh so like if if i was to shoot you and the lights were in the background yeah the blur of the lights it wouldn't be circular it would be like oval so it's like a it's almost like an oval stretchy stretched out blurriness in the background that looks it's it's very distinct if yeah. i showed you like comparison, if I put two scenes side by side of an anamorphic versus regular lens, you'd be able to tell right away. And it's usually only used in films, but now these prosumer cameras that everyone has, and they're just innovating on anamorphic lenses to the point where they're literally this big and they weigh less than a regular lens. Mm-hmm. It's insane. So the, what you can do now in YouTube videos with just a setup that's literally this big that you're holding with two hands yeah. instead of a whole fucking filmmaking rig yeah. is absurd. Yeah. So doing more of that kind of stuff, it's just a matter of getting out of my house and figuring out what to film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember you talking about um, part of your thought process is like walking around town and being like, this would be great B-roll. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Do you still have that on and like is it, mm. when you're walking around like not nearly as much. Okay. I think very rarely now. Yeah. I'm I'm glad 
for the most part. I'm really glad that I've I I mean I feel like I'm in the point where I'm privileged enough to not think about that all the time when yeah. I was really trying to like finally make things successful and make mm-hmm. enough income. That's all I could think about was what's the next video going to be? How can I film this? Oh, I should have brought my camera. Yeah. Now my life is much more balanced than it was back then. Mm-hmm. And I'm very grateful for that. So no, I do not always think about B-roll 24/7. I can actually live life outside of YouTube. Uh-huh. Um how how exactly do you balance your life more than than back then? Cuz I remember <clears throat> you talking about it and you said you made a lot more balance, but um you know, what are the what are the exact ways that you did that? I will say I still don't really. I'm gonna be completely honest. Mm-hmm. But a, I, well, first off, one day a week is solely dedicated to hanging out with my girlfriend. Okay. Sometimes we'll hang out two days a week, though. Having a girlfriend has really helped. Mm-hmm. Like I'm finally focusing on things outside of my work, yeah. and I have a reason, like a very large reason to. Um, I think when I moved to Austin as well. You know, the weather's nicer, which gives you more of an incentive to just go outside and hang out. Mm -hmm. I also just made a lot of friends here that are great and that are kind of doing similar things to me, but we can hang out and be and have similar lifestyles and connect in that way, but not talk about our lifestyles, just hang out, which is nice to have. And then people who don't have similar lifestyles at all, I think every entrepreneur or like high-performing person should have those types of friends to help keep them grounded in reality. Because not everything's about work sometimes. And it's, it's nice to just have friends who are, you know, normal, <laughs> not thinking about work all the time. Mm-hmm. It keeps you level-headed, I think. Nice uh, counterbalance. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I think Austin's just really helped. I started prioritizing sleep way more. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter what, no matter how late it is, I will at least be in bed, or at least be in bed for ideally like eight and a half hours. Did that coincide with the whoop? Or um, I think the whoop helped a little bit. Uh huh. This this wristband that me and jason both wear no we're not sponsored by whoop no. but i am very open uh, if whoop would like to contact me as well <laughs> well i gotta figure that out um it shows you how much you're sleeping and everything so i think that gives you more of an incentive yeah. to want to sleep better um also like i said i feel like i don't know i have more of the privilege to if i need one extra day yeah. to make a final edit or get a sponsorship can fully confirmed etc i'm like okay i have enough backlog of videos nothing's going to happen if i take one extra day like yeah. i'm here i've made it okay like mm-hmm. you can finally stop if if you need an extra day to rest or do things right and not fucking push 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 mm-hmm. it's okay because like i'm already here yeah and so i've had that mindset as well which i believe is a privilege to have um 
could I have done that before and still gotten this successful? Probably. <laughs> but it's easier when you know, like, you're for sure you know, like, nobody's going to even wonder where you are. Yeah. If you take extra days and you're financially comfortable enough to not worry, it's, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to me like you like uh you were driving with the blinders on just like laser focused on moving ahead mm -hmm. and then you like got and you passed the finish line but you were like you couldn't see that you passed it because you're driving mm -hmm. with the blinders on yeah. and then you kept going and going you're starting to run out of gas and then you know like fuck dude, i gotta go like to the gas station i gotta, I gotta go rest and you like, yeah. went through this journey of like yeah. taking the blinders off mm -hmm. but um yeah i find that the same thing where like i'm like super just like trying to go through school and like um trying to pour all my emotions into like work and like getting this podcast started it definitely helps to have friends that are just so chill and like it's like yeah man i just went home and you know i had like a brewski did some bmx you know just yeah. like chill yeah because it it's like i don't want to give up who i am and like not uh get after it all the time mm -hmm. but then also you know like you can't be driving with the blinders on at all times and it that was beautiful man it's cool that you went through that um i'm still i think i'm still at the the start of your little journey you know so got the blinders think, on a little bit yeah I, there's nothing wrong with temporarily putting the blinders on okay yeah i think you know in order to get to a place where most people aren't you have to do what most people aren't willing to do mm -hmm. temporarily yeah i mean Things are going to be a little imbalanced. Mm -hmm. Like you just have to accept that. Yeah. Uh, if you really want something. Yeah. So it's okay to do that. Um, you just gotta. No, no matter what, you should be prioritizing rest. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like other aspects of life, they're going to be imbalanced. You're not going to have time for things. You're going to be obsessed with what you're doing. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Like. Give it, you can do that for like one to three years. And then after that, mm -hmm. be like, okay, let's, let's figure out how to optimize other areas of my life. And that you, did you get to that point uh, or did you get to a point where you're just like so burnt out? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, that's funny. I, yeah, I think most people are going to like the only way they're going to stop is if they get to what you said get yeah. to a point of complete burnout yeah and they realize holy fuck yeah i need to start like really recovering better and mm -hmm. taking time away from this or i'm going to go insane yeah it's it's hard to like if you've been in that state for several years to like just one day be like all right let's slow things down without crashing mm -hmm. I think you, you, most people are going to have to crash. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's the unfortunate reality. Did you like, so it was like a gradual process of like, uh, kind of slowing the pace a little bit. Like for me, it's like, you know, if I feel like I slow down or like I take a couple of days off, I just feel a little unsettled and mm -hmm. like inadequate. And I'm just like, you know, um, anxious. Yeah, a little, a little of that. Like, okay, I need to go do something. Like, mm -hmm. and um, do you like? 
have you reached a point to be able to have enough recovery to where you're not, you know, uh, wildly imbalanced, but then also like um, slowing down enough that, or, or keeping the pace fast enough to where you don't feel, you know, like I could be doing more. Yeah. Yeah. It took me a while to figure it out. It took me this entire past year, even like, I feel like I finally started to feel balanced. Once I first got to Austin, no. It took me like a year. So, and what balance looks like, it's going to be different for everybody. Yeah. Uh, some people might need 10 hours of sleep. Some people might only need seven and they'll feel well rested. Some people can only work a few hours a day, but when they work, they're working fully deep focused relentlessly. Other people can work all day <clears throat> and still the next day not feel very burnt out mm -hmm. so and how much work you can handle also will change over time as your body changes over time yeah so that's a that's a gradual process of figuring things out mm -hmm. i don't think anyone's gonna fully have that figured out but yeah. now i'm definitely i definitely feel like my life is i don't know everything just feels better yeah <laughs> even the work i do even though it's not as much it just doesn't stress me out as much anymore you're like um i guess to compare it to a run are you in that point where you're just like uh for me it's like when i hit like around three miles i just feel like i'm coasting and yeah. like you get this weird like boost of energy I understand what you're saying yeah for me it's not three miles yeah. <laughs> and i learned that a couple of days ago uh -huh. six in the morning when I went on that four-mile run, yeah. once I was at three miles, I was fucking dying. So that's a good example yeah. of that three-mile coasting. That uh -huh. coasting level is different for everybody, yeah. depending yeah. on where you're at, how much you can handle. It seems like it's a muscle, too. You just kind of work on it over time. and Yeah. It's like I a, think, yeah, your ability to put in more hours can be uh, trained like a muscle. Yeah. But then there's a limit to it, like muscle yeah. building. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to kind of hit you with a tangent here, but why vegan? Why, why plant-based? You know, what mm -hmm. led you to that? I think, firstly, it was mostly for health-based reasons. Yeah. I saw a lot of athletes going vegan around that time, and I was like, I want to try this. I had just finished a three-day fast. Mm -hmm. This is like the most typical vegan thing ever is. Usually people fucking fast and they go raw vegan and then they get deficiencies mm -hmm. and then they go carnivore or some shit. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't go down that path. Yeah. Uh, but I just done that and then I was like, I want to be vegetarian. I want to mm -hmm. try not eating meat. I don't like, there was things externally that influenced me, but something else was just like, I don't want to eat meat anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, I only did that for a couple of weeks before I just fully went vegan. Yeah. And it was definitely really hard at first, but eventually when you figure things out, you know, my strength increased. I was the biggest and strongest I've ever been. Mm -hmm. And then I also felt great too. So that certainly helped me stay on the, on the diet. I mean, if I was yeah. feeling like shit every day mm -hmm. and I tried everything to figure it out, mm -hmm. then obviously I wouldn't try to eat vegan. I wouldn't try to kill myself yeah. just to stay vegan mm -hmm. for the animals. but. I think morally and ethically, I per, it, it just 
personally doesn't align with my morals to pay somebody to kill a sentient being. Yeah. For me, that is so closely related to the biological structure of humans. Yeah. Not as intelligent, maybe. Not as self-conscious or self-aware. Pigs have been shown to pretty much be on that level, actually, mm-hmm. and we we kill them smarter than dogs right yeah, yeah. They, they we slaughter them pretty horribly but even just the the other meats we eat mostly chicken yeah cows uh yeah anything in that range is like i've seen the videos i know i would be contributing to this morally i can't bring myself to to do this there would be it's something I personally decided. Yeah. It's not moral for me to pay for this. Yeah. The, some of those videos, oh my, like, yeah, they're um, pretty terrible. I don't want to sound, I'm going to sound like Joe Rogan real quick with like, have you seen that video? But, <laughs> um, like there was like a cow that like, or it's in another country. I don't think they do this at the U S but, um, they like slit its throat and then, they turn it over and just let it bleed out. It's yeah, like, yeah, that's what they do. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's the least graphic. Yeah, out yeah. of the the tasing, the mutilating, putting them in gas chambers and whatnot. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. Um. So, are you like stacking the tofu or a lot of soy or like you? Kudos to you. You have a great physique. Thank like, you. Um, Thank you. What does your what does your protein intake look like? I haven't tracked my macros in a long time, mm-hmm. and I never really did, even when I first started lifting weights. I did it more when I was doing the full day of eating videos because I was required to yeah. show all those things. But I try to hit, because I'm around 210 pounds, I try to hit around like 175 grams of protein a day, mm-hmm. maybe 200. I think like 0.6 to 0.8 grams per pound of body weight is good for building muscle. Yep. Uh, I'll eat a lot of carbs because most things that are vegan, that are healthy, have carbs in them. Mm-hmm. And pretty high fat too, honestly. Um, my diet every day, well, the soy, since we were talking about that, I'll have probably about two to three servings of soy a day. And I've done the research and I mean, anecdotally, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. It's not very firm evidence. Yeah. Personally, I haven't felt any difference between consuming and not consuming soy. There's been times in my vegan journey where I've not consumed any, and I haven't felt any difference yeah. with muscle growth. But if you eat you know, organic, non-GMO soy that's not super heavily processed, so edamame, like actually whole soybeans, mm-hmm. tofu, tempeh, it's not going to affect your hormone levels as mm-hmm. a guy. If it did, if it really gave you man boobs, then uh, like many women would start pounding soy to try <laughs> to get larger breasts. So if, for people who think that's a possibility, it's not. So it's just like estrogen levels? Yeah, or, yeah, I think it raises estrogen because it has something called phytoestrogens in it. Okay. It mimics estrogen-like qualities but it doesn't really affect your hormones at all in the body because yeah. they're, they're plant-based estrogens mm-hmm. and they, they don't bind like real estrogen yeah. does, basically. Uh, 
yeah, I, I mean, I've done a lot of research on it. Vast majority of it agrees with that and shows no difference in hormone levels. Yeah. And then my, I myself have used as an example, it has a ton of health benefits, soy mm-hmm. does. I mean, it helps, I think, with women, risk, to, risk of breast cancer reduces it. Um, it just has tons of nutrients, magnesium, protein. Like, that's one of my main sources of protein. Um, calcium, zinc, I think, just a bunch of minerals and good protein source. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, the non-GMO organic sources of it, they're really good for you. Yeah. Really big misconception about soy. Okay. It's funny. Yeah. I like to prove people wrong with that one. It's just, <laughs> no. it's, it's funny because I eat, people just don't expect you know, I have a fairly deep voice. Yeah. I'm a large person. They're like, there's no way this guy eats soy. Yeah. It's like, thank God uh, I have all these things uh-huh. naturally. But I mean, I worked for my physique, but yeah, a lot of people in the vegan community, they'll have like a high-pitched voice or something, and people will attribute it to eating soy. Yeah. And it's yeah. so fucking stupid. It's like <laughs> that same person would be eating meat. They'd sound exactly the same yeah uh so i like to lead by example with that type of stuff but if you want to talk like the full diet uh-huh make uh, a whole episode yeah i mean i have tons of full day that, of eatings yeah. on my youtube channel yeah but generally speaking it's like first meal is a smoothie bowl with protein powder banana blueberries yada yada peanut butter oats Second meal is usually like tacos with seitan and tofu mm-hmm. and a bunch of vegetables. Yep. And then third meal is usually like potatoes, broccoli, some other protein source like tofu again or yep. seitan or soy curls or some shit. <laughs> and then I'll probably have like another pro- another scoop of protein. That's what I've started doing recently. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually helped a lot. Okay. I think I was... I wasn't hitting that like 175 grams of protein before. Mm-hmm. Once I started getting another scoop of protein, I think it did help my gains. And then throughout the day, I'll have snacks like dark chocolate, nuts, seeds, be like sprouted bread with hummus. Yep. Yeah, that's the diet. Sounds delicious, dude. Especially the, the breakfast. The meals can be really good. Yeah. Oh my God. The breakfast I've been having every single day for years. Nice. It is my favorite. I look forward to it so much. It tastes mm-hmm. so good. <laughs> I get that feeling where you have like that, that great breakfast and then all the other meals throughout the day just aren't the same. Yeah. Um, I love that tweet that you did where this guy was, uh, he said so, he was basically dogging on like uh, vegans and, and vegan gains and you just like did the physique photo yeah. and you're like, yeah, if I, if I ate, meat, ate meat, I'd look way better. Yeah. Uh, that, was, that was hilarious, dude. Um. This happened last episode too. You get the question and it's on like, and then you start talking and mm-hmm. then it just goes away. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. I want to become a better podcast host as well. Yeah. It's like you got to balance the, um, that's a perfect thing to talk about your podcast. Like, mm. um, you kind of like, do you find yourself trying to balance like, you know, keeping a question in your mind, but also like listening yeah, and you have really to like, hard. Okay, here's my next question. Yeah. But then, like, if they say something cool, then I'm going to follow that. Right. 
and it's like um, to a different path and you might forget that yeah you forget that last question just writing down like immediately when you think of a question to follow up with Mm -hmm. someone they're talking about just like write it down so it's not in your head anymore i like that like during the podcast Uh uh-huh uh but still yeah it's it's difficult yeah yeah um let's see yeah i mean oh here we go yeah there it is uninterrupted focus is the most valuable skill of the 21st century you said that Mm -hmm. um I think everyone has a good picture of why, especially with how much we're on our phones and stuff. Mm-hmm. But how would someone go about developing that skill? Uh, I think it's like a muscle as well. I mm-hmm. think willpower and focus can be trained like a muscle to become easier and f- to be able to do it for longer periods of time. Yep. Over time, the more that you do it, but there's not much else you can do to be more focused than to just practice being focused Mm -hmm. Uh, how to do that is basically you have to remove everything in your environment that is stimulating other than the work you're trying to do Mm -hmm. so i mean that means turning off your phone or literally locking it inside of a box or some shit or locking yourself out of all your apps, locking yourself out of all the websites, making it impossible for you to do anything other than either the work you're trying to do, or you'd have to stare at the wall. So you need to basically create an environment, purposely create an environment that only allows you to do those two things, yep. so that the most stimulating thing you can do at that point is the work. Mm-hmm. and you can slowly work your way up to being focused more frequently by setting like longer and longer timers each week, maybe. And you say, okay, first week I'm going to do one hour of completely uninterrupted work or Mm -hmm. half an hour next week, hour and a half or an hour. And then on and on you work up to more and more. There's going to be an upper limit for everybody. Uh, For me, I think I can do like uninterrupted work in flow state for probably about like three hours, three or four hours before I'm like, I need to step away for a while. And flow state state is like just that. Flow state is that optimal human experience where you're so deeply engrossed in the present moment that like you basically lose your sense of self. Yeah. And you are, the, the work is so perfectly challenging but not too challenging and it's enjoyable mm-hmm. that you're just so you're just in it you're just fully in it and three to four a, hours of it. that's impressive dude yeah mostly when editing mm-hmm. is when i can do that mm-hmm. editing it's it's the perfect balance of all those things mm-hmm. flow state is also something you should optimize around getting into once you remove all those things from your environment yep so some tips to do that is you should be doing a task like i said that is not too hard but not too easy it's like the point where you can see measurable progress in it and you get feedback like immediately that's why editing or something like coding really induces flow state because as soon as you start coding you get feedback once you run the code or when as soon as you start editing you play it back and you can see what you've edited yeah so you need something like that 
that like you see the results in real time and it's not too challenging to the point where you can't make progress but it's not too easy to the point where it's like this is way i don't know it's just way too easy yeah. uh other things that help a little bit of caffeine can help yeah. be a primer to get you into flow state i don't recommend every single day drinking caffeine but a little bit of it most days can be helpful yeah. in the morning i think morning sunlight is a lot more powerful than caffeine at least for me like i'll get out yeah. on the balcony right when i oh, wake yeah. up and it's just like you get that little cortisol spike and uh shout out to huberman uh hey, for huberman the guy for for that but yeah. anyways yeah yeah um, no you're absolutely right and that's something that's transformed my sleep as well is getting walking like no negotiable no negotiations i'm walking every morning right when i wake up to get right when you wake up yes okay. uh, like has to happen okay it completely changes my mood mm-hmm. during the day and how well i sleep at night uh that's that is everybody should do that no matter if it's fucking terrible weather or not mm-hmm. um, so so f- just to summarize increasing focus it's like um just develop it like a muscle and just do progressive overload with it yeah. and then try to achieve flow state as much as possible. Yes. And then also kind of progressive overload. I don't know if you could actually progressive overload with flow state, but like mm-hmm. try to get more and more of it each time you, you do things. Try, try to replicate the same environment and same, like I said, caffeine can be like a prime source, a primer. Yep. where you start to associate taking a sip of caffeine with work. Mm-hmm. So having something like that that improves your focus yeah. that you also pair with your work, it's like every time you take a sip of caffeine, your brain's going to automatically be thinking, like, let's start focusing. Okay. And then removing all distractions. Yeah. Locking yourself out of everything so that the most stimulating thing you can do is the work. You have to do that. Um, is there, are, there, are these things that you did in your life to increase your focus? Or Yes. Okay. Yes. And also I think reading helps. I think reading is, I mean, it's not super stimulating, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like a bunch of colors and you can fucking scroll through it. Yeah. And, and not, you, you don't know what's going to come next usually in a book like tiktoks and instagram reels but you have to just focus on a certain thing and read it and stay intensely focused on it for long periods of time and meditating also helps as well okay meditation is really helpful how often do you meditate i meditate every day twice a day usually Mm -hmm. cool uh is that like after your walk in the morning and then before you go to bed or it is usually before my walk okay actually so that's another thing in the morning routine is I'll meditate. It's only about 15 minutes mm-hmm. when I wake up and then 10, 15 minutes before bed. Yeah. But the longer you do it, the, the easier it would be to stay in focus outside of and things outside of meditation. Gotcha. All right. Yeah, I think we're reaching towards the end. Lou's got to okay. meet with his uh, supervisor for a research project got it yeah it's got cool. big big things but yeah thank you so much for being on here thank you for having appreciate me appreciate it, it yeah was it was fun. a lot of fun thanks for tuning in to this discussion with cole hastings if you want to learn more about cole 
You can check out his website at www.cole-hastings.com. Hastings is spelled H-A-S-T-I-N-G-S. If you're interested in thoughtful and inspiring self-improvement content, be sure to check out Cole's YouTube channel. Also, stay tuned for the release of his new short film coming soon to his YouTube channel. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give us a follow to stay in the loop with new content. And if you really enjoyed it, be sure to leave a review. You can check out the podcast website at www.heightsofhumanitypodcast.com. As always, I'm so, so very grateful for everyone tuning in. See you again soon.